Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. God is a good God. I said, God is a good God. Hallelujah. Thank him for being here tonight. Amen. Thank him for being amongst his people. Amen. Thank him for my life, my health, and my strength. Amen. I thank him for my healing. Amen. Scripture says in everything, give thanks. Amen. God is so good to me. Amen. I dare not complain about anything. Amen. He could have left me out there in a world of sin. Amen. Whatever you're going through in this life, you might think you're going through hell in this life, but you're not. Amen. The point is to be ready so you don't have to go through hell. Because one thing about hell, you'll never get through it. It's eternal. You know, there's some things, whatever you're going through in this life, at one day, that's going to end. Whatever trouble you're dealing with, one day, that's going to end. But if you end up in hell, that's never going to end. Amen. So I thank God for the provision that he's made through Jesus Christ. Amen. I thank God for the pastor of this church, Bishop Gary Burt. Amen. Amen. Thank him for all the saints. Amen. Thank him for my, my wife, my family. Amen. Oh, yeah, she's a good one. I said she's a good one. Not a good one. She's a good one. Amen. I'm truly blessed to have her. I'm going to jump into the word of God. We thank God for his visitation, his spirit. He's allowed us to feel. Amen. But we're going to get into this word tonight. And our main text is going to be uh, in Romans. We're going to begin in Romans, the eighth chapter, verse six. And then right after that, we're going to go to Revelation. The 19th chapter. Verses 7 and 8. Romans 8 and 6, and then to Revelation 19, 7 and 8. Verses 7 and 8. Amen. When you have Romans 8 and 6, please say amen. 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 And let's read. Let's read six again, but let's slow it down just a little bit. For to be carnally minded is death. For to be carnally minded is death. Let's go to Revelation, the 19th chapter. Verse 7, let us read. Let us be glad and rejoice. And give honor unto him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today, Lord, for another opportunity to get into your word. Lord, we ask that you will help us on tonight. Lord, help me to deliver your word. Lord, hallelujah, I do it in the fear and the reverence of you. Lord God, I ask you to prepare every heart. Lord, let us gain something out of this word tonight that's going to help us to get even closer to you. Lord, we do love you. We thank you. We praise you. These and other blessings we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I have a topic and a subtopic tonight. He says, the topic is, don't let your carnal mind send you to hell. The second scripture we read, it talked about the white, the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. 
Amen. My subtopic tonight is, can you wear white? Can you wear white? Thank you for standing. You're already seated. We're going to get into the word of God. Um, as a child of God, as a minister of God, <clears throat> I am troubled in this day and age of the condition of the church. Amen. There was a time there was a distinct difference from the church and the world. There was a time where the average sinner understood that in order to take on a life of servant Christ, I got to straighten up. I got to change my behavior. But the church today, and I'm speaking in general terms, collectively, the church today has, we've allowed so much to come into the church that it's hard for the unbeliever or the sinner to make a distinction, amen, when they come into the house of the Lord. I've heard sinners say things like, oh, they allow that now? They allow the, oh, oh, that y'all can do that now? Because at one time, the sinner understood that children of God, Christians, followers of Christ, didn't do certain things. They didn't carry themselves in certain ways. But we live in a day and age where we've allowed so much to come in. We've uh, gone out of our way to make the sinner feel comfortable in the house of God. Now, let me, before y'all throw stones at me, I am not saying that the church should go out of this way to make the sinner feel uncomfortable. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is, when we line up with the word of God and we live our lives to please God, we invite the presence of God. We begin to create an atmosphere of holiness. Amen. So much so that when the sinner comes into our presence, they realize that they are out of place. And if I'm going to go this way of life, I've got to straighten up. We live in a day and age where people come into the church and they're starting to get the idea that I can be a part of the church, but I don't have to change anything about my life. Amen. I don't have to stop smoking weed. Amen. I don't have to stop smoking cigarettes. I don't have to give up my girlfriend. If you're a man, if you're a woman, I don't have to give up my boyfriend. If you're a woman, and now we're in the day and age where if you're a man, I don't have to give up my boyfriend either. Amen. It's all blended in. Amen. There's an abomination called, and I refuse to call it marriage, but they call it same-sex or, or gay marriage, which I'm going to say there's no such thing because God is the one that created marriage and he created marriage to be between a man and a woman. And so anything else that man introduces and put marriage on it is null and void. Amen. And, 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 and so much has entered into the church that even Christians are now feeling the pressure whenever uh, somebody is a, has, has I'm, a, I'm a man, but I don't want to be a man anymore. I'm transitioning. Uh, I'm a trans woman or I'm a trans man. And some of us are beginning to call them people he and she. And even though we know it's a he, amen, but because we don't want to be offensive, amen, we go ahead and join in on their line. Now, if you want to be deceived, and you were born a man, and now you say you're a woman, and you want to call yourself a woman, well, that's your business. But I'm not going to join in on your lie with you. Amen. I'm not going to follow your lead on that. If you want to be deceived, you go ahead and be deceived. I'm not going to go out of my way to disrespect you. Amen. But I'm not going to join in on your lie with you. Can the church say amen? Amen. We're living in a day and age... Amen. Where we need to draw the line. Amen. 
We've been passive for far too long. We've been quiet for far too long. Amen. It used to be the argument of the gay community. Well, what we do in our bedroom is none of your business. And if we're okay with it, you shouldn't bother. Well, here's the problem. They're not keeping it behind closed doors anymore. Amen. They're forcing it down your throats. Amen. They're even forcing it down your children's throats. Amen. I remember being in school and uh, they wanted to give us sex education. Any of you remember that? If you're about my age, and we had to get permission slips. Amen. And you had to take that permission slip home. Your parents were to read it. If they agreed with you getting sex education, they would sign off on it. If they did not agree and you brought that slip back to the school, they would put you in a separate room. Amen. While they talked to the other kids about sex education. We're living in a day and age now. They don't even ask your permission anymore. Amen. In fact, they'll tell your kids, don't, don't say anything to your parents. As a matter of fact, child, if you're a boy and you want to call yourself a woman, we'll oblige you. We'll call you by your female name and we'll put the female pronoun on you. And you don't even have to tell your parents. And what has happened is we have become too comfortable. We've, we are far too trusting of this system and of society to the point that we turn our kids over to them for six to eight hours a day. And then when they come back home, we have very little time with them. You figure from, I don't know, five, six o'clock on up until they go to bed, but they spent all day with the world, amen, influencing your child. And we wonder why we have such a hard time as, par as parents, especially as saved parents. You know, the scripture tells us to train up our children in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. But then, as, as, despite our best efforts, it seems like the world is winning against our kids. Amen. Even though we've trained them up to serve the Lord and to love the Lord, we've trained them up in the truth. Amen. They'll come home with these different ideas, and now they're starting to question, amen, the things that you taught them growing up. Amen. The things that you've labored and sacrificed to teach them. Amen. They start getting these other ideas. Amen. They said that the rate of, of atheism is raising in this country. Amen. Even among kids who grew up in a Christian home. Amen. Now they're starting to, to entertain atheism. And the scripture says, a fool saith in his heart, there is no God. Amen. And so what do we do? We just sit back. Amen. As people of God, as saints, as parents, and we do, we just watch this change just take over. Amen. It's time for the church to speak up. It's time for the church to speak out. Amen. It's time for the church to say holiness is right. It's time for the church to speak up and say holiness or hell. Amen. But too many of us have become intimidated. Amen. We've become fearful. We've become ashamed. Amen. To declare righteousness in this land. Amen. We have preachers today. Amen. That have become afraid to declare the truth. One of the qualifications of a bishop is that he not be greedy of money. Why is that so important? Because if he's greedy of money, he's not going to tell you the truth because you will get offended and leave and your dollars will go with it. Amen. And so we have to be so, as carriers of the word, we have to be sold out to the truth of God. Because at the end of the day, we have God to face. Amen. And if the people are ignorant, Paul said, I speak this to your shame. Amen. We as the people of God, we got to stand upon what is right. Amen. Is it, can the church say amen? So let's go to, we're going we're gonna to stay in Revelation uh, the, ninth, the 19th chapter and verse 7. Uh, let's go there. Revelation 19 and 7. He says, let us, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come. And his wife, who's his wife? The church. 
That, that means the followers of Christ, right? It said, his wife hath made herself ready. One of the first problems that we have to deal with in the modern day church is this common phrase that's spoken from even our pulpits that nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. That's all we hear. Nobody's perfect. Even though there is no scripture to back that up. There is absolutely zero scripture to back that up. We're going to break this down tonight. But that's what we're hearing from our pulpits. And what that does, it, 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 it causes the person that is weak in the faith to not even strive for perfection. If nobody's perfect, why should I strive for perfection? As a matter of fact, Jesus, his grace and his mercy, it covered it all. So why do I have to strive for perfection? That means I can continue to live in sin that grace may abound. Scripture says, God forbid. See, every time the lie comes out, we have to come back with the truth to remind people of what the word of God says. Amen. Shall we continue in sin because of grace? Because we have this safety net of grace? No, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin? See, when you come to Christ, you're supposed to be dead to sin. Amen. How should we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now, it is true that Jesus paid the price. Amen. He paid the cost. He died for our sins. But we have a part to play now. Be because he, 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 he died for our sins, there is a wedding. But in order for his bride to come to the wedding... She has to make herself ready. We've heard this lie. Well, there's nothing that you can do to make heaven. No, yes, you do. You have to repent, and you have to obey his word. You have to repent. That means stop doing what you was doing, and then you have to obey his word. You don't get into heaven automatically. Making it to heaven is conditional. Amen? He's either going to tell us, depart from me, ye worker of iniquity, I never knew you. Or he's going to say, well done. Why is he going to say well done? Because you've made yourself ready. Because you've done the work. Amen. Through the power of the Holy Ghost, we understand that we can't do it on our own. Amen. But we have to do something. Jesus did his part. Amen. And he's the groom. Amen. And he is ready to receive his bride. But the bride has to make herself ready. Can you wear white? Let's read the next verse. Verse 8. And to her was granted. Watch this. It was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen. You know, the old, old folks used to say, can she wear white? If you think about the significance of a wedding, there's a reason. It's not, it's not just tradition, but everything is significant. Amen. Most of the time when you see a bride, she's wearing white. Amen. This white signifies in the natural sense that she is pure, that she's a virgin, that she doesn't have a shady history. That's what the old folks meant by, can she wear white? They would do this and look under their glass. Can she wear white? Some folks is wearing white and they ain't got no business wearing white. I'm speaking in a natural sense. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. Brothers, imagine yourself about to get married. And you're standing, you're standing next to the bishop, and you're waiting. You're, it's a special day you've waited for. You, you're watching your bride come down the, the aisle, and she got a big old huge jelly stain on her wedding dress. Let me see the hands of the brothers that would be offended with that. Oh, y'all scared. Come on, brothers. Who would be offended with that? Some of y'all are scared. We'd be offended with that, wouldn't we? If she came and it was all wrinkled, her hair is a hot mess, she got mud on her wedding, we'd be offended, we'd be embarrassed. 
Jesus want his bride clean and white. Jesus want his bride's garment to be clean. Look at the love of Christ. Now, he realized you didn't start off clean. In fact, he knew who you was when he called you. See, it ain't like us, brothers. You know, we got a checklist, certain things that we want and certain things we ain't going to tolerate, right, when we choosing a wife. And when we feel like we got this checklist, then we go ahead. But Jesus knew all about us. He knew the good and the bad, and it was mostly bad, and the ugly. And he chose us anyway. He says, now I'm going to choose you. I, 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 still, I still want a bride that have made herself ready. I still want a bride in clean white garments, but I'll do the cleaning. I'll do the cleaning. I'll, 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 I'll wash you with the word. I'll, I already died. I've already shed my blood for you. Yeah. And you can make your garment ready for me. I, wanna, I want a clean bride. I want a pure bride. I want a bride that I can be proud of. I don't want a bride that I'll be embarrassed about. In fact, you're going to be so clean that I'm willing, I, I, I'm not ashamed before my father or the angels. Amen. He wants us clean. And so it is incumbent upon us as children of God to make sure that we die daily. That we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's, it's up to us to do everything we can possibly do to make ourselves ready. Now back to this nobody's perfect thing. Now, if we judge the way man judges, it is true. None of us will ever be perfect like Jesus because we all have a history of sin. Jesus didn't have a history of sin. Jesus, Scripture says, he said, I do always the things that please the Father. Amen. We can't always say that. Amen. But what Jesus is willing to do is to take our sins. If we repent, he's willing to cleanse us from those iniquities and throw them in the sea of forgetfulness and remember them no more. And then when he looks at us, we are justified, just as if we never sinned before. In other words, when he's judging us and we're covered under his blood, he is not taking our sinful history into account. So therefore, when he looks at us after he's cleansed us, in his eyes, we're perfect. When he presents us, he's going to present us faultless. Amen. Not because we don't have a history of sin. Amen. But it's because of his love and his precious blood that was shed for us. We should be shouting right about now. Amen. It's because of his love and his blood that was shed for us that we don't, that we don't have this history anymore that is not seen and is not considered when God is judging us. Amen. So through Christ, we can achieve perfection. That's what I'm here to tell you today. I know there are many preachers that say none of us. Are, and notice how they like to drag everybody in. Well, none of us are perfect. They're including themselves. Why? Because when you see them clowning, then they have an out. When you see them clowning, you're not going to hold them accountable. Amen. In fact, we'll rush today when a scandal breaks out. We will pray for him. Pray for him, but if it's somebody we don't like, we don't ask to pray for them. Amen. If it's somebody we despise, we're not asking for prayer for them. Amen. But, but, but the preacher that's winking at our sin, then we'll pray, pray for him, and we should pray for him. He needs prayer, but he also needs to sit down. Amen. I didn't stutter. I wasn't speaking in tongues. Amen. Them that be found to be in sin, rebuke before all that others may fear. That's what the book says. Amen. So perfection is something that we strive for. Perfection is our goal. Amen. The Bible says holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, wait a minute. Only God is holy, right? 
Amen. But no, we are to strive to be holy. We are to strive to be like Christ. And we understand we can't do this on our own, right? Am I making that clear? I want people to understand because just because I preach holiness, you know, when you preach holiness, people think that you're declaring your own holiness or your own perfection. No, I'm not declaring anything. I, I know what his commandments are. My job is to strive to live up to those commandments. He'll be the judge of that, not you. You ain't perfect. You ain't God. <laughs> Amen. Why well, are you saying you're perfect? No, I'm not saying anything. I'm not the judge. All I got to do, I just know I got to follow his commandments. And he's going to be the judge of how well I kept his commandments. He's going to be the judge of whether or not I repented. Amen? Oh, man, this is good teaching. This is good teaching. So, uh, so let's go to Romans, the eighth chapter. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And I'm going to begin reading at verse, okay, there we go, right there. Let's read. Stop. Who walk what? So some, there's somebody that's not walking after the flesh. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh. Not everybody is walking after the flesh. Well, nobody's perfect. Not everybody. There's some guy got some folks that is not walking after the flesh. But after the spirit, he says those people, there's no condemnation with them. Amen. So it's like, well, nobody's perfect. Well, everybody's walking after the flesh. No, they're not. I want to be in this first verse. That's where I want to be. That's where I strive to be in that first verse. Verse two. For the law of the spirit is life in Christ Jesus have made me have made you what? From the what? The law of the sin and death. So that means. That through the power of the Holy Ghost, I don't have to sin. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you don't have to sin. Do y'all believe that? If y'all don't believe that, then y'all just lied. Amen. But you don't have to sin. That's what the Holy Ghost is for. Without the Spirit of God, you have no choice but to sin. Amen. But with the Holy Ghost, you have the power to overcome yourself, your biggest enemy. As my father-in-law would say, to overcome this fella right here. Amen? Because this fella right here is our biggest problem. It's not the devil. The devil can't make you do anything. Amen? If you do whatever, it's because you wanted to do it. Amen? So the goal is conquering this flesh. You can't conquer this flesh on your own. It has to be through the Spirit of God. Amen. Verse 3. For what the law could not do, the Jews couldn't accomplish the law. They couldn't fulfill the law. Why? Yes. Jesus proved that obedience to God was possible through the Holy Ghost. That's what he came when he came here and he walked 33 years without sinning. He proved that it could be done in the flesh. And how did he do it? It's because of the spirit of God that was dwelling in him, which is the Holy Ghost. Amen. Do we not have the Holy Ghost? Do we not have the same spirit that dwelt in Jesus Christ? then why can't we do what Jesus did? Now, we can't change the past. Whatever you did in the past, whatever bloopers you had in the past, you can't change that. But going forward, why can't we do what Jesus did? Let's sit quiet. Verse 4, let's read. That the righteousness of what? Be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. No, Jesus is the only one that can fulfill the righteousness of the law. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in who? Who what? Walk not after the flesh. Saints of God is not supposed to be walking after the flesh. 
In fact, the scripture tells us in Galatians, walk in the, in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I'm tearing down this nobody's perfect doctrine. Amen. I, know, I realize people don't really like to hear this, you know, but it's got to be said. I got to tell it. I got to do what God tells me to do. Ooh, she went right to it. This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not... The Spirit of God will never lead you to sin. If you end up in sin, it won't be because you was walking in the Spirit. It's because you allowed flesh to get in the driver's seat. It's because you allowed this fellow here to get in the driver's seat. That's right. Uh, what's the next verse? I think we was at four. Let's go to verse five in Romans. There we go. For they... Okay, so how do you know whether or not you're after the flesh? Because you're always minding the things that are of the flesh. Read. Next verse. Stop right there. There's no such thing as a carnal Christian. There's no such thing as a carnal follower of Christ. If you're following Christ, then you're not carnal. You're a spiritually minded individual. For they that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So there's no such thing as a carnal Christian. If you find yourself to be carnal, you are operating in death. You know, the carnal minded person is always looking for a way to do as much as they can do without sinning. And here's the thing that we're, we're battling with today, especially with our young people. You know, when it, when it comes to standards of holiness, you know, we, we're starting to question everything. We didn't question anything when we were younger, but now we're questioning anything. Well, is it a sin? And if it does not explicitly say in the scriptures, thou shalt not smoke weed, because the scripture doesn't say that, right? But since it doesn't explicitly say that in the scripture, then it must be okay for me to do it. Well, what's, what's wrong with young people? What's, what's wrong with holding hands and hugging and kissing? The Bible says, the Bible never said that it was a sin to touch a woman. It never said that. It just said it wasn't good. He said, it's not good for a man to touch a woman. Kissing is touching, in case y'all didn't know. You can't kiss without touching. You can't hold hands without, because, come on, let's just keep it real. And older folks, you can say amen to this if the young people don't. After a while, holding hands ain't enough. Amen. After, after a while, I mean, it's okay at first when you ain't been holding no hands at all. It's like, oh, it's a hand. But after a while, that newness wears off. And then we get to rubbing the elbows. Is that, that ain't no anointing. Stop that. But after a while, the rubbing of elbows is not enough. Well, if we kiss, uh, we're not, we're not. We're not doing anything. We're not, we're not having sex. It's just a kiss. But now you know more than you should know about your sister and the Lord. That's, that ain't your wife. That's your sister. Would you be kissing your sister? There's certain things you shouldn't know. But after a while, kissing ain't enough. Amen. By this time, the rest of this fellow right here wants to get involved. Amen? So it is not good for a man to touch a woman. Why? It's not a sin, but it is going to lead to sin. So that's why certain rules are in place, young people. That's another thing. A carnally-minded person hates rules. We, we, don't, we don't want any rules, especially in church. We'll endure rules everywhere else. We endure rules 
at school, on the football team or the basketball team, other things we're at work. We're going to do all kind of rules that we don't really like. Amen? But we'll endure them. But when it comes to the church, we say things like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just not convicted about that. Are you spiritual or are you carnal? Well, I, what, what was you doing at the strip club? Well, I wasn't there to look at the women. Uh, I, I, I like, they got some good wings. So I'm just going for the wings. And you know, there's some souls in there that need to be saved. This is a carnally minded individual. I'm just going to get some wings. <laughs> so we got to be careful. The spiritually minded person is trying to do everything they can to stay as far away from sin as possible. A spiritually minded person does not even want to put themselves in a situation where they could be tempted. I remember being a young saint in the Lord. And because I was young and immature, I didn't see anything wrong with certain things. And I was warned not to do it, but because I was immature and not strong in the Lord, I didn't see anything wrong with it. So I said, well, hey, I don't see anything wrong with this. And once I indulged, I had to, I, you said I had to learn the hard way. Then I got a revelation. Oh, well, I better not put myself in that position again. Because the last time I put myself in that position, I didn't do well. Now, we don't want the younger people to experience this, so we try to warn them, but there's something about old flesh. I want my own bumps and bruises. <laughs> we try to, we don't, you know, when, when young people, when older people try to warn you of things and tell you of things, they're not trying to destroy your, well, I guess they are trying to destroy your fun, but <laughs> they, they know the outcome and the end of it. They know what it's going to lead to, and because they love you, they're trying to save you some turmoil because Satan doesn't tell you the consequences of your actions. He just tells you about how nice and how good it's going to be. And I get it. For some of us, pew baby, we're just curious. That's all. We're just curious. And we hear about other young people doing certain things. And, and, and if we have knowledge that our parents did certain things, you know, in our mind, we begin to say, well, you know, you did it. You know what it's all about. Why, how come I can't find out about it? But there's a reason. If it was all that, I wouldn't be here. There's a reason I'm here and not there anymore. But there's something about flesh we want to find out for ourselves. Aren't we like that? Isn't flesh like that? Amen. To God be the glory. What verse are we at? So we said to be carnally minded is death. So don't operate in death because you're doomed. If you operate with your carnal mind, your carnal mind, my carnal mind will send me straight to hell. Yes, we have the Holy Ghost, but our carnal mind is still present. It's still makes, making suggestions. Newsflash. Your carnal mind is never going to give up. Your flesh is always sitting by, just waiting on the opportunity to get back in the driver's seat. And as parents, we try to protect our, 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 our children. We don't want them to, to, to go down a bad path. You know, we didn't pass out condoms to our children. We didn't do that. We knew temptation was out there. We knew we was fighting against a world that's trying to pull them in the opposite direction. We didn't pass out one condom. We didn't even suggest a condom. You know what we did? We warned them about the consequences, the spiritual and the natural consequences of living a life of fornication. We preached it to them constantly, letting them know. And both of them are bad, but the other one is eternal. 
Amen. Yes, there are diseases out here. Yeah, if you become a child, if you become a parent as a teenager, your childhood is over. It's, it's about taking care of a child now. You're not even out of school yet. There, there are harsh uh, consequences to fornication. The scripture says the body was not made for fornication. As a matter of fact, when God created us, he created us after our image. So we have, he expects a higher standard out of human beings. He doesn't require animals to get married. They just do what comes naturally, according to nature. Doesn't care who it is. It could be his sister. It could be the dog's mama. It doesn't matter because they're animals. We were created in his image. And so there's a higher standard for us. He tells us to enter into holy matrimony. Why? Because the body was not made for fornication. Amen. I feel like I have to hammer this point on. I know somebody want me to shut up, but I'm not going to. But I have to hammer this point on because about 75% of black children in America are born in single-parent households. Three out of four of our children don't even know what it's like to live under the same roof with their mother and their biological father. That should be alarming to us. Out of all the different races in society, we are the worst in that category. 99% of the abortions that are had are due to fornication and adultery. There's a 1% that's due to incest and rape. But that's what they like to cite to, to promote abortion. But the other 99% is because we being trifling and not doing it God's way. Oh, this is too harsh. This is too blunt. Don't nobody want to hear it. Where's the encouraging message? Where's the feel good? You're not getting that tonight. There is a time for that. And I would like to not always be the one doing it. <laughs> but that's my lot, I guess. Amen? We have to get back to the truth. Truth should not be controversial in the church. I should be able to tell the truth in the church and it's received all amens. But now we're living in a day and age, regardless of what church you go to, truth is not welcome. It's controversial. Well, that's, that's too hard. We, we want the people to come back out. Amen. But are we Christians or not? I can see sinners getting upset. But I'm going to tell you what. When I was a sinner, if I had... If I was listening to Condi, Cotton Candy preaching, I never would have got saved. I needed somebody to tell me the truth, tell me where I was wrong, so I could come out of what I was in. I thank God, you know, my testimony, when I came to Agape in 1992, the minute I walked in the building, I could feel the presence of God. And I knew that I had to straighten up. I saw a group of people striving to live holy and striving to please God. And I knew that I was far from the altar. And even though I was uncomfortable in the presence of God, I, that's what I wanted. I just wanted to some, see somebody do it right. I just wanted to see somebody be real about, so, you, know, you know, backsliders in particular. And a lot of sinners out there, they always complain, ain't nothing but hypocrites in the church. But then when they come into a presence of a church and folks have got their mind on Jesus and trying to live right, now they got a decision. They don't have an excuse anymore. You're either going to line up with truth or you're going to go on right back out the door. Can the church say amen? amen. Next verse. Verse 7. Your carnal mind is hostile towards God. I ain't going to tell you about my carnal mind. Think, think about your own carnal mind. Your carnal mind, it was not happy the day you got filled with the Holy Ghost. When you got filled with the Holy Ghost, there was probably some saints rejoicing and clapping and praising God. 
The only one that wasn't happy was your flesh. Your flesh was not happy about that. Because now flesh has to die daily. Now flesh can't do what it's used to doing. Flesh can't party like it used to party. There's some things flesh had to give up. Prior to you receiving the Holy Ghost, you had to search yourself and, and you was looking at what you could give up so that God would grant you the Holy Ghost. Amen. And when you got filled with the Holy Ghost, even though you felt his anointing, flesh was not happy about that. Amen. And watch this. The enemy tried to tempt you to go back. But because the Holy Ghost is in there and you love God, want me to yield to the Holy Ghost. But don't think flesh didn't have an attitude. You ever notice how flesh get an attitude when you go on a fast? Flesh is irritable, short, don't really want to talk. You know, all that is really actually good. Amen. But when it comes to the things of God, your flesh is not happy. My flesh is not happy. But why am I doing this? Because I want to see Jesus in peace. I want to spend eternity with Jesus. I don't want to spend eternity in hell. Suffering, being tormented. No, I want to be saved. Isn't that the whole reason we come to church to begin with? There is no such thing as a moderate Christian. You know, a moderate person is, I'm not extreme this way, I'm not extreme, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle, I'm kind of on the fence. So I'm, I, I'm not a moderate Christian, I'm sold out. I'm, I'm all the way on Jesus' side. Yes, my flesh wants to do things, but I already know that the wages of sin is death, so I'm really not paying attention to my flesh. I want to see Jesus. I didn't come this far to end up in hell. I didn't come. All these, all these tests and trials that I've been, I didn't endure all of that so I can end up in hell. What a travesty that would be. To go through this life denying flesh and then end up in hell. No. I'm over here to be saved. Aren't the, isn't that why we all over here? Ain't that why we're here? Then why are we so surprised that we have to kill out flesh? We shouldn't be looking for, well, what can I do? In, instead, we should look at that because we don't want anything that we do to put us in a position to where we might sin. I want to get as far away from it as I can. Isn't that right? Next verse. It says, because the carnal mind, no, we same verse. Because carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God. Your mind, your carnal mind is not subject to the law of God. It's never going to agree with God. It's never going to agree with godly rules. Never. Your carnal mind is always going to second guess the pastor when it comes to your flesh. Always second guess the pastor. It says, neither indeed can be. Verse 8. So that they that are in the flesh, you can't please God. Some, some carnal person says, see, I told you. We, long as we in this flesh, we cannot please God. We, none of us are perfect. We're all sinners. Saved by grace. Where is that in the scripture? The scripture does say by grace you're saved, but it doesn't say that we're all sinners. You, how can you be a sinner and a saint at the same time? Isn't a sinner and a saint, don't they have two different, different definitions? Well, you can't be a sinner and a saint at the same time. You're one or the other. Amen? So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Do y'all believe that? Uh-oh, but this verse 9 kills your excuse. Read. Read that again. Look at the person next to you and say, but you are not in the flesh. It said, but, but in the spirit, that's a capital S, that's the Holy Ghost. What's the next word? If, uh-oh, stop right there. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. That's the problem right there. 
you got a lot of church folks that don't have the spirit of God. You got millions of people who are claiming to be Christians that are not Christians at all. They've never received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God give utterance. They've never, and they're trying to serve God without His Spirit. You can't serve God without His Spirit. You can't walk in the Spirit if you don't have His Spirit. That's the problem right there. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. If, the, if you have been, received the Holy Ghost, you can't use flesh as your excuse anymore. God expects you to walk upright in holiness. If you have the Spirit of God, this is not rocket, this is not brain surgery or rocket science. We all know this, right? But sometimes we act like we don't know this. Amen? Uh, now, read. Yes. Stop. If you don't have the spirit of God, you are not a true follower of Christ. There are millions of people who claim to be followers of Christ, but they don't have his spirit. You don't even belong to him, but they claim they belong to him. Amen. And we understand this being an epidemic among churches that don't teach about the Holy Ghost. But we have a problem because now in some of our churches and to some degree even in here we have people that don't have the spirit of God. You got people that at one time were filled with the spirit of God but have backslid and they just didn't leave the church. But they're right up in the midst. You got some people that have never been filled with the Holy Ghost. They slip through the cracks, so to speak. And those same people will say, well, nobody's perfect. Well, I guess you would feel that way since you don't have anything to fight with. But if you got the Holy Ghost, then I can't give you that pass. Evidently, you're not walking, because it is possible to have the Holy Ghost and not walk in the Spirit. That is possible. But when you get used to doing that, you're really backsliding is what hap what's happening. Hallelujah. I figured it would go like this. First Corinthians, the second chapter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The second chapter, and we're going to read verse 14. Let's read. But the natural man. You know, some of the things concerning holiness seem foolish to a carnal person. Amen. Well, I don't see why we can't do this. And I don't see why we can't do that. Amen. When I first got saved, there were certain things that I didn't agree with, certain disciplines that were put in place. And I didn't see anything wrong with it. There were certain things I couldn't even find in Scripture. But now that I am mature, even though it's not in Scripture, I understand why it's in place. That's what happens when when men, when godly men are responsible for souls and they're, they're seeking to please God and they're trying to do everything they can to cross their T's and dot their I's because they realize that they're dealing with God's heritage. The scripture says as they must give an account. So to some of us, what they say or do might seem like being overprotected. But wouldn't you rather have somebody that's overprotective than somebody that's just making merchandise of you and don't care about your soul at all and just let you do whatever? See, I have an appreciation because I've been in church all my life, but I grew up in churches where anything goes. 
I know what it's like to be in a church and the pastor's not concerned about your soul. And you could do anything. I had a pastor that, that knew that I was a drinker and that I performed in nightclubs, and he told me I was saved. He didn't care nothing about my soul. Amen? So when I came over here, I had an appreciation. You know, I can understand where a pew baby is coming from. You know, I, in fact, when I came over here, I saw pew babies, and they, you know, some of them didn't appreciate the fact that they were pew babies. They felt like they was missing something. And I'm trying to tell them, look, I just came from where you think you want to go. Trust me, you don't want to go there. But they couldn't see it. They're curious. I get it. I understand. You know what I'm saying? But I had, I had a, an appreciation for the ways of holiness. Where do we stop? Oh, 14. So, okay. It says, for they are foolish unto him. Neither can, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually understood or discerned. Amen. Some things you don't understand about the ways of God until you begin to grow in Christ. Okay, I got another scripture. And let's go to Revelations, the third chapter, verses 1 through 6. Revelation, okay, let's read. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God, and the seven stars. I know thy works, and thou hast a name that thou livest and are dead. Read. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain and th that are ready to die, for I have, I have not found thy works to be perfect before God. Now, this is Jesus talking, right? I have not found thy works to be perfect. But this is a warning, right? Uh, uh, verse 3 remember therefore how that heard so we're supposed to be watching we're supposed to be looking up for our redemption we're supposed to be living our lives in a way that Jesus is coming any moment See, we used to hear messages like that all the time. I remember leaving church and looking up in the sky thinking, you know what I'm saying? But we've kind of gotten away from those messages, and now we're, 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 we're less conscious about the rapture of the church. Y'all still believe the rapture of the church is going to happen, right? And even if, if it's not the rapture, you realize that your number could be up any day. God could just come for you, and it'll be over. As a man uh, falls, so shall he lie. So he says, if I would therefore, he says, if therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief. In other words, you're going to be aware. You're not even going to be aware that I'm near or that my coming is near. Uh, thou, shalt know, thou shalt not know what hour I should come upon thee. Verse 4. They shall walk in me and what? For they are worthy. Remember I told you earlier about the wedding? You know, can you wear white? In other words, are you worthy to wear white? All right. Verse 5. He that overcometh. But you have to overcome for your raiment to be white. Read. So your name can be blotted out of the book of life. That's why there's no such thing as once saved, always saved. There is no eternal security. You have to walk with God. And if you stop walking with God, your name will be blotted out of the book of life. And the, you know what the consequences of that is. Read, but I will, uh, the rest of that verse, go back. But I will confess his name before my father and his angels. So if you are faithful to God and you overcome, Jesus is not going to be ashamed of you. He's going to confess your name before his father and before his angels. He won't be embarrassed to do so. Amen. Because you're not walking down the aisle with peanut butter and jelly on your garment. Verse 6. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Verse 7. 
what the Spirit saith in the churches. Do you have an ear to hear what Jesus is saying here? He wants us to be holy. He wants us to be upright. Amen. He wants us to cross every T. He wants us to dot every I. I'm not trying to discourage you, amen, from living a perfected life and a holy life. I'm trying to encourage you that it is possible. Yes, we've fallen along the way. Yes, we've had some bloopers. Yes, we've fallen short. But he is just and willing to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of our unrighteousness. The minute the enemy can get us to believe that holiness is not achievable or perfection is not achievable, that's the minute that we're lost. God wants his people to make herself ready. You realize that Jesus, what else do we need to see? How bad, you know, I'm reminded of Lot. You know, basically, this whole place had become corrupt. And I believe that God was taking Lot out just as a, to honor Abraham. But even Lot was reluctant to leave. And the angels had to grab him and snatch him out of there. And his wife didn't make it. She made it out, but she looked back. So she didn't make it. And even after Lot and his daughters got out of there, those daughters, and I would argue even Lot, was affected by the environment that they were in. And it's the same holds true today. What we see going on in our society is wicked, everything. I can't, I can't even watch, a, a, I can't watch TV without seeing a commercial that's promoting homosexual behavior. You got to stay on top of your flesh. I'm going to leave, leave you off with this analogy. I remember some years back, there was a movie that came out called The Nutty Professor. Now, some of y'all super maxi saved, and y'all don't want to admit that y'all saw The Nutty Professor. Now, what I used to do, what I used to do, you know, because I didn't go to the movies, I would wait for these movies to come out on network television, and then you would get to see a sanitized version or somewhat sanitized version of the movie. They would take out the nudity and take out, I guess, most of the cussing. Now we live in a day and age, I think just about all the cuss words come through now. As a matter of fact, cussing is the least of your problems now. You, you, got, you can't watch a football game with your children without seeing two hairy stank men kissing on a commercial. But the analogy I like to draw from that movie you know, Sherman Clump, he represents your soul. But Buddy Love, that's you. That's your flesh. That's this fella right here. And every time Buddy Love got loose, when Buddy Love got through doing his damage, Sherman Clump was sitting around somewhere embarrassed about what happened before. That's how your flesh will do you. You give your flesh an inch, it will take a mile. It will embarrass you. It will destroy your reputation. It will destroy your legacy. It will hurt other people. It will hurt your offspring. So you got to kill Buddy Love. <laughs> you got to kill him out. You can't let him reign. I hope I'm saying something to get to you. Maybe I didn't make you feel good. Maybe you're sitting wondering in your mind, man, why does he always got to preach like that? I don't, I don't have a choice. I'm, a, I'm following orders. Amen. But if, if any of this can help you make, make it to see Jesus in peace, then I, I'll be satisfied. I don't want to be what Paul said. He said, though I preach to others, I myself be a castaway. What I'm preaching, I got to live it too. Amen. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. Hallelujah. Hopefully, this word gave us all something to think about. Hopefully, this, this word caused us to evaluate our own personal walk. You and God know 
if you've been allowing your flesh to rule. And if you have the Holy Ghost, there's no excuse for that. It's a choice. We have to choose to walk in the Spirit. Amen. I'm looking around the sanctuary. I don't know if I see anybody that doesn't have the Holy Ghost. Or, but if, if you want the Holy Ghost, because the Holy Ghost will keep you. You don't have to sin. Without the Holy Ghost, you don't have power not to sin. But with the Holy Ghost, you'll, get a, you'll have the freedom to walk with God. Hallelujah. So I want us to draw our minds in. Hallelujah. If you need to repent, please repent. And not just tell God you're sorry. But from this day forward, there needs to be a change in your walk. Jesus is soon to come. You only have one soul. You don't lose that soul. You don't get a do-over. Amen. This is serious business. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we bless your name tonight. We thank you for your word. Your word is pure. Your word is holy. Lord, it comes to cleanse us. It comes us to it comes to make us new. Your word comes to purify us, Lord God. And Lord, we have a hope to see you, Lord, and to see you as you are. Lord God, and in order to see you as you are, we understand that we have to purify ourselves even as you are pure. Lord, I ask that you have mercy on us. Lord, help us, Lord God, hallelujah, not to be moderate Christians. Lord, help us to get off the fence. Lord, help us to be true, Lord God. Help us to be bold, Lord, in standing for you and walking with you. Help us not to be ashamed of walking with you, for we realize that if we are ashamed of you before men, that you're going to be ashamed of us before your Father. Lord, we do thank you. We do bless you. Lord, we love you. Lord, we repent before you, Lord God. Lord, please cleanse us of all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. Lord, any ways that we, ungodly mindsets, Lord, please forgive us, Lord, and cleanse our mind, cleanse our heart, Lord God. Lord, help us to be ready for your soon coming. Lord, help us to study the scriptures. And Lord, help us to obey the scriptures. Even when it seems like things are going in the opposite direction, Lord, help us individually to be true to what is written in your word. Lord, we do thank you. We bless your name and we honor you. These are the blessings we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Give God some praise tonight.